You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. There is a lot going on right now. As some of you have heard, there's this thing they call it the coronavirus. <laughs> and it is wreaking havoc on nations all over the world, allegedly. Uh, even though somehow hospitals are emptying out. And uh, by the way, uh, death records are being manipulated by the system. Well, you know, I am just really over a lot of the nonsense that goes on in the world around me. That's why I'm on a journey to discover truth. But here's the thing. I'm not actually here to intro on uh, my thoughts about why this whole thing is a bit of a created debacle. Uh, what I am here to say is that it has created the need for us to cancel our Bride Tribe advance in the spring. I am I am very sorry that I'm making this announcement. I held off as long as I could before making a final decision on this, but not only me, the rest of our board and, and others uh, have waited on this. And uh, we are not going to be meeting in May due to the complexity of travel issues with those of you that are wanting to come, uh, limitations on abilities for people to meet in large groups, and so forth. It's just not going to be uh, feasible for us to do the event right now. And so uh, for those of you that have signed up, you have already gotten an email from us. We are going to be refunding everybody their conference registration, and we are already offering early bird registration for the fall advance because we will be gathering in the fall and we have really enjoyed doing semi-annual advances but with the circumstances as they are and the legal measures that states are taking and so forth it is just uh, unavoidable so so just understand that if you have uh, applied you've already heard from us if you didn't check your email, check it, but we are going to be issuing refunds to just about everybody unless we are instructed otherwise. And um, yeah, we really want to encourage you guys to join us in the fall. Now, I want to make a few other announcements before we get to the program today. Bride Ministries is constantly working towards creating solutions for survivors of satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control agendas, and we are here to raise an army of qualified ministers that are going to be released into this area. And so how are we doing that with our DID Coach Mentorship Program? If you didn't know, we have an entire institute called the Bride Ministries Institute. You can access it from our website, bridemovement.com. Uh, probably around 80 hours of teaching materials just there alone. But uh, to add to that, we have a Bride uh, Ministries, a DID Coach Mentorship Program, where I am discipling individuals directly. And it is a year-long program. I have 14 people in it right now. And I'll tell you what, folks, I cannot wait to introduce our platform to these graduates. We're three months in, and they are already exceeding expectations. And so uh, we are going to be doing this program again next year. What's the goal? The goal is to train and release people 
to engage in the highest levels of spiritual warfare, the deepest levels of inner healing, and to bring about restoration for the children of God that have not had the tools they deserve available to them in the body of Christ. We are solving problems, and we are doing it in a big, big way. And so I want to encourage those of you that have a heart prod from the Holy Spirit saying, this is your calling. I have a mandate for you in this area. I want to invite you to apply. You can go to bridemovement.com on our ministry page. And if you uh, scroll down, you will see an area where it says, I want to be a coach with Bride Ministries. And there's an apply here button. And that is our application. And so what you do is you fill it out. You will have to submit some other materials uh, as well via email. And all those instructions are on the application page. Understand that there, there is no cost to submit an application, but we will not consider any applicant for an interview unless the uh, not only has the form been filled out, but all of the other materials have been submitted. Uh, furthermore, understand that not everyone that submits everything and gets an interview will be accepted into the program. Uh, this is this is not for everybody. <laughs> this is for people that are ready for it. And, and even as you go through the application, you will see that there are certain qualifications we are looking for in those that apply uh, for, for reasons that are very important. You know, we, we are looking for people that are stable. Uh, we are not looking for people that are at the beginning of their own healing journey. This is not a place to take a healing journey. This is a place to become a helper for those that are taking healing journeys. Uh, we are looking for financial stability, uh, spiritual stability. Um, and, and, and so you will see a list of qualifying factors that we are looking for. Um, understand that we are not going to be making very many exceptions on those areas. And so... Uh, please just understand that we are um, actually doing this for the sake of those applying for the program because we do not want to set people up for failure. We want people set up for success. Uh, we want to graduate champions. And uh, there, there is no cost to apply, but the program does have a cost as it is a year-long in-depth training. And so um, we invite you to check it out. I also want to let you all know that um, we are very grateful for those of you that continue to support us financially. For those of you that are supporting us financially, what you have to look forward to in the next few months as we are able to put it together and roll it out. Well, it might be a few more than a few months, but we are building something. And it is going to be a self-deliverance portal on our website, a super, super cool outreach of the ministry where people will be able to engage with videos of me, yours truly, uh, praying all of our various deliverance prayers over people. And we're going to create a system for helping you to determine which deliverance prayers you need, um, thereby allowing people to, you know, at least some people skip booking a session or trying to get private time with me or one of our other coaches and, 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 and really, really making provision for people all over the world to get set free in mass uh, on, on your own schedule. So I, I think that this is something really, really amazing. It's something that God has put on our heart, a mandate we've received. And uh, when you are sowing into this platform, you are sowing into a, a, a group that is literally designing a system by which Thousands and tens of thousands, hopefully hundreds of thousands, will be set free from the powers of darkness around the world. So be excited with us. Uh, you go to bridemovement.com. You can use our app. 
Uh, be sure to check us out at our church every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time if you have not already begun doing that. Guys, there's a lot more I could say, but we have an amazing guest today for you and a very exciting program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, welcome to another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I'm very happy to be sitting down again with my friend, Jan. She has been on the podcast a number of times before. As a matter of fact, uh, we have a whole series called Journeying with Jan. If you have not listened to that series, please do. Uh, She has an incredible story. The, The thing is, she's not done telling it. As a matter of fact, there's more left to be told than has been told by far. And, you know, Jen is one of my clients. She is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse, as well as government-sponsored mind control agendas. And as we have continued to do work together, more has continued to surface. And so we're just very excited for her bravery to be joining us to talk about some of these things. Jen, welcome back to Discovering Truth. Hi, Dan. It's so good to be back, and I'm looking forward to this podcast and uh, the things that I can share that I haven't been able to share for a long time. So thank you. Well, thank you for being brave enough to talk to us. And, you know, I I, want to give you an opportunity to start off with a little bit of review just to kind of catch people up, refresh people. Obviously, we're going to have new listeners. They haven't heard you yet. So... Uh, why don't you just give us a brief run through on some of the background that gets us to where we're going to be talking today. Sure, Dan. Well, this is my fifth podcast and I have four other podcasts that pretty much outline my history uh, as I've been able to process through it over the last 35 years. Um, and it pretty much tells my, uh, my history in the 3D world. And so this podcast, um, I feel like is like a transition into the work that we've been doing uh, that is more in the spiritual realms and in the cosmic realms. And so um, really, I started out at 35 years ago uh, with a couple memories of sexual abuse. And I got into counseling at that time, but it was secular counseling. And um, so over the years, I've had um, quite a number of secular counselors, and then I became a Christian, and I got into um, counseling through the church and through Christian counselors, and uh, the Lord just continued to move me forward and deeper into my uh, systems of programming, and until I reached your doorstep, and then I uh, progressed from there into more spiritual realms of um, modalities. And so um, it's been quite a journey. And one thing I found out is that Jesus doesn't always go in a, a straight, what to me seems like a straight path. Sometimes he winds around and backtracks and back and forth. And it's, it's almost like a, I thought the other day about a weaving. I remember a poem someone uh, wrote about a, that our life is a weaving. 
And I was thinking about that, that really this whole journey of um, uh, the therapeutic journey has been like a weaving. And the Lord just keeps bringing uh, strands from the past and then weaves it in. And then I move on to other things. And then he comes back and he picks up that strand again. And he keeps weaving it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until the picture starts coming into focus. In the beginning, it was, everything seemed so chaotic. And uh, I couldn't make sense of so much of my history. But as the Lord has kept weaving things together, the picture is really starting to emerge. And um, I'm finding out that what I knew in the beginning was like, um, uh, like an iceberg. I only saw the very tip of the iceberg. And that was mostly things done in the 3D world. But my work with you has brought me into the realms of the spirit where a lot of the programming was done and uh, a lot of my memories are held. And so that now I'm working on the bottom of that iceberg and it's, it's making a huge difference and it's hard, it's hard work, but uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so the picture is really beginning to come together now in a, in a much broader sense sense for me amen yeah you know folks this is the this is the truth okay um the truth is that for years now uh there has been a continued unraveling of the truth behind government-sponsored mind control projects and a lot of that began to come to the surface with the acknowledgement of mk ultra a cia a project that had a bunch of sub projects and it was exposed and acknowledged by the courts. It happened and then it got, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff related to it is sealed off, but it, it cannot be obscured, right? It, it's, it's official, it happened. But, you know, they say, well, once we closed it, we stopped. They, they clearly didn't stop. But what happens is, you know, we, we begin to understand, all right, so there are projects in mind control how to manipulate people, get people to do what we want, so on and so forth. But is it all in the natural, right? Is it just you're hurting people and putting chemicals in people's body and making them do things? And the answer is no, not even close. As a matter of fact, the CIA has long partnered with satanic cults in the execution of their uh, strategies. Why? Because uh, satanic ritual abuse predisposes young children, starting at babies and infants, to dissociation because that's how they survive that world. And so they are prime candidates for the government projects later on. You know, and <clears throat> when it comes to the merger of the uh, government-sponsored mind control world and the mind control that occurs in the cults, you, you do converge on the spirit world aspect of it, which becomes a major, major part of it. And as we go further and further into technology, what we see is that technology is becoming smaller and smaller and more and more quantum and synthetic. And all of that is getting interfaced with the programming. And so Programming becomes, at the surface, a resolution of trauma physically, emotionally, psychologically, but bottoms out deep in the spirit and the quantum and subquantum realms. And if you cannot get into the spirit world, you're going to be looking at 10% of an iceberg with 90% sitting under the surface. 
And that's exactly what we run into over and over and over again. Um, this is one of the reasons why I say, you know, secular counseling has is literally about a 0% chance of ever helping uh, survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas fully. They're, they might be able to give some medication and help, you know, get a person back on their feet and functional, but it's a, a management issue at that point. And what we are doing with Christ is resolving the entire matter from, from, from the top to the bottom. That said, Jan, uh, we, we're going to get into some of the uh, sticky details today. <laughs> and, and I want you to break open uh, a little bit about your first trip to Jupiter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what you say is also true. And uh, from the client perspective, I have to say that um, when I came into under your ministry and counseling, um, I, I really didn't have a box to put this kind of stuff in. So that's why I want to share uh, my testimony of, of this journey with you because uh, I, I'm hoping it will help other survivors to know that uh, you're not crazy when you start remembering this kind of stuff because it's not talked about uh, in the world. It's not talked about in the church. And uh, as far as I know, this is about the only place it's talked about. So um, I'm just sharing it so that maybe it will help some others to be able to uh, move along in their own journeys. So um, the first trip to Jupiter started out with... Um, I was listening to a testimony of a woman who was part of the Mother of Darkness. And I'd heard about Mothers of Darkness for years and years and years, but I had prayed about it. And I really felt like I was not a Mother of Darkness, even though I had uh, probably a lot of the, um, the things that might have indicated that, but I just, I really could not get a confirmation that that was part of my history. And yet, uh, when I listened to this testimony, I really got triggered. And so um, when we met for our coaching session, I brought that up. I'm like, I don't know what happened, but I really got triggered. Something's going on. And so um, you started, um, you know, just asking, bringing Jesus in and asking questions about if I was ever exposed to uh, Mothers of Darkness, um, you know, organization or meetings or whatever. And um, what came was that I had been to a convocation, uh, an installation of a mother of darkness uh, into her um, position. And so that, um, that happened in the, under the Vatican. And so I had had some other memories um, involving the Vatican. So that wasn't such a big um, you know, surprise at this point. But what was a surprise was that I was present uh, when one of these Mothers of Darkness was being installed or crowned, as they might say. But I was not a Mother of Darkness. I was what was what is called a High Witch. And I had known that I was a High Witch for a long time, but I really had no idea what that meant. I, I just knew that I was. And so during this coaching session, it came out that um, that a high witch is, uh, I was sent to these, um, these particular special meetings um, in various places in the world, I think, um, castles and so forth, that were having these um, installations. And my job 
was to hover over the um, the event and to do warfare in the spirit realm because when uh, mothers of darkness are installed they are there are many many factions in the, on the dark side and uh, sometimes there um, there there are conflicts as to who is going to be installed and interference with that process so I was trained up from a very young child to um, as a witch because of my mother was a witch I came from a long line of witches I believe now and um, so I was trained up in for this particular position um, to do battle in the spirit realm and basically it involved battling entities um, but those entities are usually tethered to human beings so sometimes it, really it was a battle to death sometimes even as a child so um when this when this whole thing came up um i think you finally asked well is this high witch inside of me and it turned out that she was not inside of me which was interesting <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> like, it's like okay. it's like trying to find where's waldo you're like all these people it's like where is it it's, like, it's not there <laughs> yeah yeah i think that might have been a new concept for me at that time so the question came up well if she's not inside of you then where is she and um the answer was jupiter <laughs> so so Jesus was right there, and, and his remark was, well, pack your bags. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, let me, so I, can, I, can I just say this? Let me, let me tell you, all, right. all of you religious people out there, listen to me. I'm sorry if I have to break the news to you because no one else did. Jesus is not boring, and he's not like, like – really awkward boring guy that just sits on murals like some people think that jesus is a, a mural without a personality that walks around that's not who he is he's actually really really funny and he has a lot of personality and character and jokes okay so i just had to say it step on some toes jan please continue you are so right. And I think some of it's going to show up in this story. <laughs> so I find myself um, on Jupiter uh, in a throne room. And this throne room is massive. And um, there are stairs, I would say like a hundred stair steps up to this throne. And on the throne is this woman who is decked out in amazing robes of purple and gold and she has this huge headdress on her head so she's high high above me and i'm just i'm like wow this is amazing this is supposed to be a part of me <laughs> and she's sitting up on this throne so you invited jesus to um, come in and introduce himself to her and he, com he comes in on roller skates, <laughs> roller skates right up to the bottom step. And uh, as soon as he arrives, 
and she starts throwing lightning bolts. And I mean, big lightning bolts. And so then he started throwing lightning bolts <laughs> and she would throw a lightning bolt and he would throw a lightning bolt. And this went on for back and forth, back and forth. So they are just throwing lightning bolts back and forth. In the meantime, I'm seeing that she's calling in recruits <laughs> and there's like armies headed our way. And so I asked you, Dan, I asked you if you could see what was happening. And you said, oh yeah, I can see, I can see some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you were seeing the recruits coming in from the outside of this, wherever we were, <laughs> which was, um, I, I was just hoping you were taking care of that end of things because <laughs> I was watching this lightning bolt war go on. So, uh, finally, um, Jesus just walked, I don't know how he did this, but he just walked up those stairs right up to where she was. And he took her by the hand and, um, uh, walked down the stairs with her and when they got to the bottom floor level she just bowed before him it was like over you know no more lightning bolts no more and when she did that um i connected with her at an emotional level and could feel the repentance and uh, uh, all the history of the training and what that meant. And it was a powerful, powerful, uh, just moment of cleansing and healing and restoration for me as I connected with her. So that was a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I always find it, I mean, I literally laugh at this point. It's like comical. It's like, oh, you're gonna call in reinforcements? <laughs> So, um, but Jesus is on a redemption agenda. Here's one of the things that I want to point out to those of you that are listening to this story, right? Uh, one, there isn't a single part of you that Jesus doesn't love, guys. Let me explain. Jesus was after this high witch and her heart, even though she's sitting on a throne on Jupiter throwing lightning bolts at him. Think about that for one minute. And then size that up against the revelation that you have of who Jesus is. Because it is a, 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 a real paradigm shaker to realize that he is the embodiment of love. Truly. Now, he's there on a redemptive agenda. He's after this part of Jan that he finds to be precious, lovely, and beautiful. And he has no issue traveling to Jupiter to get the job done. And, and, and this is the next part of the revelation, right? So, okay, <laughs> it's like, this is a revelation, just how much Jesus loves us is the next step. There are thrones on stars and planets, and planets are sometimes referred to as stars, where pieces of people's humanity are enthroned and having a jurisdiction in the kingdom of darkness. It's true. And uh, believe me, guys, Jan and this queen is not the only one. 
And so we find ourselves going to, you know, we talk about this concept called regions of captivity, right? And, and, and some of these regions of captivity exist in heavenly places. So we might go to Saturn and find a prison with people's DNA and soul fragments tied up in it or a laboratory. But sometimes these regions are not prisons, but actual enthronements of pieces of people's humanity that were trained to do a job in the kingdom of darkness from that place. And so when you get into the higher levels of witchcraft and what some of these high witches are really working with, it's cosmic power because there are thrones that exist outside of earth from which they are extending power. And so this is something to keep in mind. Please, Jan, continue. <laughs> yeah. So um, I found out her name was Queen Isabella. And um, as soon as uh, she had bowed before Jesus, he, um, he took her headgear off and her robe off and put on a white robe. And he had this really long bench and he just walked her over and set her down on the bench. And he told me that he would be uh, doing some work with her for a while. So I know, I knew that that meant that I wouldn't see her in my system. I wouldn't really be communicating with her, that he would be ministering to her and um, bringing her on board, so to speak. So um, you ask a question about, um, oh, I forgot. I had, I had told you a story about uh, back in the 90s, I had gone to a Benny Hinn conference, yes. and um, I was uh, in the choir, and I sat next to a woman who was not in the choir, and she was very kind of a strange woman from the beginning. She was sitting there reading her Bible. She never looked up. She never spoke. She never engaged, but as soon as the conference, as soon as Benny started speaking, uh, she started vocalizing things that were not, were not right. She was um, kind of causing um, disruption. And so his ushers started coming up toward us. And I was really nervous about the whole thing because she was sitting right next to me and I thought they were gonna think that it was me. And um, so anyway, um, this what, during this conference, Benny started, uh, it was one of the very first times that he started having these massive um, people falling in the spirit. And I mean, amazing things were going on um, in the service. And while I was in the service, I saw myself hovering in the spirit over the auditorium. And I, at the time I didn't understand it, but it was, you know, it was very supernatural atmosphere. And and it was the first time I'd ever been in anything like that. And so I just sort of tucked it away in the back of my mind. And I never, I never really knew what that was all about. But after the service was over, Benny invited people to stay and help um, put things away and so forth. And I felt like I was supposed to stay there. I felt like that, that, that the Lord really wanted me to stay and help, uh, help with that service. And, um, but I was with another friend and we had parked far away and had taken a tram in and I would have had to go on the tram by myself in the middle of the night. She didn't want to stay. And I was afraid to do that. So I didn't. 
but I felt like for all the years and years after that, I felt like that I had missed a calling, that I was supposed to stay and help after the service, and that somehow I would have connected with someone and I would have been part of that ministry, or I might have been invited to be part of that ministry. Somehow I felt like I'd missed the Lord, that there was a connection there that, um, that I should have made and I did not. So I sort of regretted that over all the years. Hmm. When I started coming into um, the knowledge of my past on, on this level, on this spiritual level, I had this knowing that I was operating in that conference as a high witch, that I was actually doing spiritual warfare, um, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the top of that arena. And so um, that was just a really um, uh, curious thing. Well, as I did this work on, on this particular session, uh, it, it was revealed by the Lord, I believe, that actually I was sent into the Benny Hinn Conference as a high witch from the occult on an assignment. And that if I had to stay, maybe I would have made that connection. Maybe I would have been part of that, that um, ministry, but it would have been as an intruder or an infiltrator. And so um, that all wound up being part of what I got triggered, how I got triggered when uh, it's hard to explain, but that was part of the triggering that went on when uh, the whole high, high witch issue came up. And I guess I wanted to bring that up because the occult has agendas for the church and they do send people into churches on assignments uh, to bring disruption, to bring distraction, and literally to bring people down uh, within the church, pastors and so forth. So I just wanted to really put that out there. There it is, the expose. I mean, look, we, we, we've experienced plenty of that here at Bride Ministries. Um, and a fact of the matter is, folks, uh, what I've learned is that at least half of the people that are sent in to a ministry as a plant do not know it as a presenter. They, they don't know. They just think they showed up. And the mass of which is working behind a presenter. And uh, there's usually a trade on offense, meaning that if the witch gets called out, the presenter is programmed to get offended and write mean emails and write blogs and other evil literature about their leaders. So, um, you know, the thing is, I'm not saying that that's what you would have done in this case, Jan, but um, the, the thing is, this is a real thing. And, and many churches around the country have survivors sitting in them that don't know they're survivors. You know, it's interesting. And I laugh about this all the time when I talk with my pastor friends. I said, the only re difference between us and you is that we know who our survivors are. <laughs> you guys, though. So, so the thing is, one of the prayers that I will say over just about every meeting that we have, especially when we have our conferences and events, it's a regulation on the atmosphere. It is martial law in the spirit world. It is There will not be any ungodly and unauthorized astral traffic and trade. I use that piece of language all the time because I know that Jesus is reaching the hearts and the lives of survivors who are bringing in parts that are programmed to destroy the spiritual atmosphere and the work that Jesus is trying to do. And we're just going to police that with our heavenly resources and keep declaring the name of Jesus. 
you know, because survivors need Jesus just as much as everybody else. And I'm not afraid of witches and warlocks showing up at our meetings at all. <laughs> so, you know, um, but thank you for bringing that up, Jen. It's such an important point. Um, and, and, and going from that, I want to uh, let you talk about how your paradigm has been expanding more recently. Well, well, yeah, it expands in a whole lot of different ways. Um, but one of the ways to finish up this little story um, with Queen Isabella, uh, you had asked, well, was Queen Isabella the one that covered in Benny Hinn's uh, conference that day? And the answer was no. And so you ask, well, who was covering? And it turned out to be the name of Ginger. Well, in the end, it turned out that Ginger was a concubine to Isabella, one of 21 concubines of Isabella. And so um, you prayed and asked the angels to just bring them all, all of them forward, including the Antichrist that was in charge of the whole gang of concubines. And uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus just, uh, just a gesture to just sit them on the bench. He had this long bench. Isabella was on one end. And so the concubines just all lined up <laughs> on the bench. And uh, as they came in, I saw they were connected to a, to a computer, the beast computer, which we worked on much later, which I won't talk about today, but they were tethered to that. And um, they looked like clones. And I had a knowing, I had a knowing that they were clones. And so at the end of the session, um, Jesus just led out Isabella and all of the concubines. And as they're going out the door, I said, but Jesus, why are you taking, if they're clones, why are you taking them? And he just went, shh, <laughs> don't tell them they're clones. <laughs> Which is, he, it seems like he always ends up after after I go after I have to push through some really hard stuff, he just pours out the humor in a way that that just um, brings it back to a place of joy, and he does that consistently over and over and over again. So um, the paradigm expansion that I wanted to talk about was that when my journey started back in the '80s, in the middle '80s. Uh, my journey started with memories of sexual abuse. And a number of years later, about six or seven years later, um, I found out that I had this SRA, the ritual abuse background. And then years after that, I found out that I had the government mind controls uh, issues. And so every step of the way, I had to uh, expand my paradigm because from a worldview, even in 85, sexual abuse was not even really that well known about. And so it's been a, a continual progression of uh, a, a wider and wider or um, broader and broader expansion of the paradigm of, of the world that we live in. So um, when I came to you, I had already been through so many years of, of uh, secular counseling and then Christian counseling but uh, I even had to wade in deeper waters when I came here because we started working on this, these spiritual realms. And uh, when I came to you, I didn't know I was a seer, even, even though I was. I didn't, 
I don't, I don't think I had that much experience um, consciously, uh, if, you know, knowing or seeing in the spirit realm. So um, some of the things that I've come to understand in our work is that uh, information comes to me during sessions in a number of ways. And seeing is definitely a, a fun way in, a, in most cases, <laughs> but I also have a knowing. So uh, sometimes the information just comes from a realm of knowing the information. I think sometimes that's from parts inside. Sometimes it's from Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes it's from history, but um, knowing is a big part of, of um, the memories coming forth. Um, Parts speaking. Sometimes when parts start to speak, they bring forth information that I don't know because their their histories are different in a sense than my history. So uh, a lot of times when they are speaking, I'm hearing it for the first time. Uh, hearing Jesus, and definitely when we're in session together, Jesus is always there and he's always interacting and uh, sometimes you're asking him questions sometimes i'm asking him questions sometimes he's speaking through me or to me um, entities uh, sometimes i hear entities mostly i see entities more than don't listen to them much but i do once in a while i do hear them say things to me um, and um a new, relatively new issue is other souls. So um, the next session, which was about a month after the Queen Isabella uh, adventure, <laughs> was, uh, was one of these cases where uh, there was a soul, another, a soul of another person inside of me. So that was a whole new paradigm for me. Okay, so we're, we're going to deep dive on this. This is a, a really, really fascinating subject. And folks, um, let me just tell you, you know, we started running into this years ago. And when I initially started running into this problem, I named it human persecutors uh, because we would find soul fragments of other humans inside of survivors, uh, typically soul fragments of abusers, programmers, and those that they had been twinned with, among other individuals. Uh, some people who have worked in the occult as um, uh, soul hunters have prisons of people's soul parts inside of themselves where their soul hunter parts have stored the fragments that they've been able to capture. And so, you know, but we, we find these soul parts inside of people. And then it was uh, a process of figuring out how to get them out. And early on, I found that the soul parts could be more stubborn at times than the principalities. It was really strange. Um, and that led to the creation of several prayers, the freedom from human persecutors. And then when that one stopped working, freedom from human persecutors 2.0, then when that one stopped working, uh, the ultimate freedom from human persecutors prayer for the toughest of the tough. And, um, you know, we, we've continued to find this consistently. Um, and sometimes these soul parts that get lodged in other people can be uh, 
<laughs> from a very, very interesting background. We'll just say that. And this is certainly the case with this person that you met. So please, uh, Jan, continue telling us the story. What happened here? <laughs> okay. So I came into this session and um, I, uh, I was having some issues with, um, I knew that I had programming during the military. I was in the Air Force. But I didn't have, I have never had any memories of occult um, or government programming or whatever during those years. And not only was I in the Air Force, but long before that, when I was um, probably in my late teens, uh, I was being taken to um, a base in Omaha, Nebraska, a SAC base, military base. And I was, um, I know I was being programmed there. I haven't had the memories of that yet. But I do remember being taken to, um, to um, where there was a waiting room and they had this TV set there and there were always Hercules movies, the same Hercules movie on every time I went there. And my parts way back in the 90s had complained when I first got this part of the memory that, that the movie was the same every time, every time we had to watch the same movie. And so uh, supposedly this was a dentist that I was visiting. Now I have no memories even till today of, of what happened at the dentist office, but I do have memories of the waiting room and this Hercules movie that was going on. And I know that the Hercules movie was probably a way of um, uh, part of the programming that was putting me in a mindset to be able to go in and see the quote unquote dentist. So um, that's when my military, um, um, uh, uh, some of my military memories that I was trying to retrieve. I also left there and went to Europe and I was, um, I lived in Spain for a while in a town where there was an, an American Navy base. Then I moved to Germany and there was an American army base. Then I came back to the, and before that I had been in Anchorage, which there was an Air Force base there. Then I came back to the States and I joined the Air Force. So I had this long history of living in places where there were military bases, but I had no memories of programming or associations with the government sponsored mind control which would only make sense to me that, that it went on, but I had no memories of it. So I brought all this to you in, that, in this next session. And so you, uh, a lot of times you'll just, in the beginning of the session, you'll just ask if there's anyone inside that would like to talk to you. And so when you ask that question this time, a whole bunch of my parts inside were pointing to this man. And um, so I, and I heard the name Charlie Morgan. So I reported that back to you that I'm hearing the name Charlie Morgan. So um, you invited uh, Charlie to come forth, but he did not want to talk. He, he didn't want to be part of it. So um, it ended up, uh, there ended up being a little bit of deliverance there. You invited Jesus to go, and if he didn't, if Charlie Morgan didn't want to come forth, then Jesus could go to him. So did, Jesus did. He went to Charlie. 
And as soon as they made contact, I was transported to uh, an area that looked like a desert. It had a lot of rocks and um, uh, Jesus was with Charlie and we were just walking across this desert. And so um, the next scene was I was on the rim of a crater and there was a catwalk. And um, so I was just walking inside. It was like a cage and it had like uh, acrylic over it. And I was just walking inside of this cage. And there was a stairway that went down. And so I went down the stairway and I ended up in a hallway. And um, the hallway was, um, was like a curved hallway. There were rooms on the left that um, looked like they might be offices or whatever. And on the right, there were doors uh, every once in a while. And the doorways led out to another catwalk that was now it was underground, so these led to uh, an, a big um, a hangar. And so when I would walk out on the catwalk, I could see down uh, to the hangar floor. Uh, in the top of the hangar, there was this huge light, uh, round light. And when I was at, on the top of this crater and looking down, I could see uh, two doors that would open like um, uh, they would fold against each other like um, and when they would open then then planes or crafts could come in so when I was inside of this hangar and looking up at this light and I was thinking well how could that be how could this huge light be in the middle of these doors and then uh, the Lord showed me that when the doors opened, the light just split in half. It was like half moons. And so the lights actually became the runway lights for these craft coming in. So I, this is such, when you're going through this process and these things are being revealed, you know, um, I'm trying to figure things out at the same time I'm watching everything unfold. And, um, my mind is, it, it's just uh, going in 20 directions, it seems like sometimes. So the Lord told me there were people inside this hangar, and I don't know if I was getting nervous or he just knew I would get nervous, but the Lord told me not to worry that I was in a memory, that it was not, they were not real. I wasn't in real time, that um, the people I was seeing were just memories and that not to worry, that it was no danger. So um, I, I knew that there was a storage facility under the hangar floor. There was a craft on the hangar floor and it, it wasn't like a black triangle. It was some kind of, it looked more like a jet plane to me or something, but um, it was there. There were flags there that were um, uh, designs I'd never seen before. And I asked the Lord if there was an American flag and he said there had never been an American flag there that these were flags of other countries, I, I presume. So I asked the Lord uh, where this base was, and uh, he said it was on Jupiter. And so I just had, a month before, I just had this session with you with Isabella on Jupiter. So then I started trying to figure out, well, what's going on here? Where's Isabella? Of course, she wasn't there. 
So um, I'm reporting back all these things, basically just taking a tour of this underground base. And uh, you asked where Charlie was, and he was um, he was in a classroom, just sitting in a classroom. Jesus was down the hall, just wandering around. So um, so you went in and um, or we went in and you start asking Charlie questions. So um, yeah. the first thing you asked was uh, where he, who he worked for. And he said, uh, NASA. And so um, he asked, you asked Charlie um, if I went through NASA programming and Charlie said yes, which, you know, Sometimes when that information comes, it's such a shock because, you know, until that moment, till that very moment, I did not know that I had been programmed at NASA. Well, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, I mean, even before this, uh, folks, I, I didn't know what Charlie was yet. And Jan kind of gave a, a pre- uh, a preamble to this thing saying that, you know, well, she met someone that wasn't part of her. But at the point we were at, I didn't know that. All I knew is everyone pointed at Charlie. Next thing, Jan's having this encounter on uh, Jupiter again. And suddenly this guy's sitting in a classroom. And so my, my, my prerogative was to figure out, what is this guy? And so I started asking Jesus, you know, well, is this part of Jan? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, does he belong here? <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> Aha. Would you like to take him with you, Jesus? Not yet. <laughs> and so Charlie is actually at this point being cooperative with Jesus. And this is one of the things that I want to point out. This is not the first time we found this to be true. Sometimes when we find soul fragments of people and other people, it, it turns out that those soul fragments are actually very cooperative with Jesus. And they'll even choose Jesus and they'll go with Jesus. And that becomes a salvation to them. They, they, they never got the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lifetime. Um, it, it later it turns out that Charlie Morgan is no longer physically alive. But uh, they do accept Jesus in the system of someone else where they are and they end up going with him. And so that's always a big victory and breakthrough. But in this case, uh, Jesus was like, well, he has some... Some, some information that is necessary to communicate. So we started to ask some questions and then we jump into NASA. So please, Jan, continue. <laughs> yeah. So Charlie turned out to be a sole part of a man that worked for NASA in the middle 60s or 50s, sorry. Um, when I was taken uh, to this program, he was a scientist. And um, I was linked to Queen Isabella through essence that came in before I was conceived. So they somehow, they grabbed uh, essence of my spirit and formed Isabella. So Isabella wasn't really a part of me in, in the way other parts are parts. So they, uh, 
created her, set her up on Jupiter. Uh, and because she was connected to me, she needed my DNA. And so this program that was running in, in the middle 50s was a program where they brought children in and um, taught them how to remote view and soul travel. And they were using us to spy out planets to see if, if there was uh, uh, established uh, presence on these planets. So we were doing these, uh, these remote viewing assignments. Um, and I had, at this time, in the middle 50s, I'd already been in the program for many years. I, I was taken into this program, I believe, when I was probably four or five, somewhere along in there. So I had already gone through the trauma-based uh, MK Ultra programming, and I was—I uh, think I was probably eight or nine when this happened. When I was taken to this program of remote viewing, so I already had all the basic uh, programming in place. And so this guy, this scientist, was on a special assignment, a special program, to um, to teach us the remote viewing. Uh, part of our jobs. And so um, during this time with him, um, they were working on a new program because of this connection that I had to Isabella. And it turned out in the end that over the years, um, I was uh, taken to these military bases, the ones I mentioned earlier, and um, I would go to these bases and they would have um, an apparatus that would operate as a jump gate. And I would, from these bases on Earth, I would, um, I guess, jump um, through the spirit realm at, to Isabella so that she could be powered up on my DNA. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, that was um, a provision of... Um, Well, let me just say this. I, as a, as a bloodline person, I had certain legal rights to a portion of the earth. And I believe, I, I believe all bloodline people have this. Now, I could be wrong there, but I think that might be true. And at least for me, I had um, this legal right to land on the earth. But she had, because of that, because of my blood, and I connected with her, she had legal rights to this land on Jupiter. And so that's why I was taken to these bases, and uh, periodically we were plugged together so that she would be powered up on my DNA. So um, you started asking questions about um, uh, Jupiter and the base on Jupiter. And so, um, um, and, and that's actually where I was in this memory, was this, this, uh, this hangar that I was in was actually a base on Jupiter. So um, you ask Charlie Morgan if, um, what was at the core of Jupiter, and he reported back that there was um, a liquid uh, energy that was being mined. And I could see in the spirit, I could see uh, the core 
that look like um, like a whole city or something. It was a refining plant actually, where they were refining this energy, this source of energy. Wow. So um, you ask about portals, and I could see portals, but there were a lot of other things too. There were a lot of uh, construction and so forth. And so uh, as the story went, Queen Isabella owned the land where this, there was a base on Jupiter and it was a, like a sack base here, that it was a defense base. So um, their defense forces were coming in and out of um, this base and they needed the defense forces because the core of Jupiter contained this uh, fuel that was very, very uh, important and valuable. And so they are constantly having to defend uh, against other races that are trying to come in and, uh, you know, take over or uh, capture these resources. So, uh, of course, all of this is just, you know, crazy <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of my uh you know uh, well my paradigm had to expand one more time <laughs> okay so let me just say this um <laughs> you know folks i i will sit there and just take notes right and, and one of the things that is very helpful is to make sure that Jesus is standing right there while a lot of this is going on and it's the right Jesus because sometimes we have to take care of the fake Jesus first and then we know that we have the right Jesus and then we can fact check some of this stuff. Um, but when he's standing there nodding his head, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, wow, new grid, new information. Interesting. It's interesting also to consider that we are talking about stuff that happened not in the 1990s, not in the 2000s, not five years ago. Folks, this was the 1950s that Jan was involved in these kinds of projects, okay? Yeah, so they were sending her projections to a uh, part of her occupying a throne on Jupiter um, and, and interfacing with these different bases in the 1950s. So wrap your head around that. And then we, <laughs> because I couldn't help myself, <laughs> I had to ask Charlie Morgan a question. You know, there's a whole lot of uh, speculation about flat earth and um, I, I, I get it regularly. You know, well, Daniel, understand the earth is flat. That's what the Bible says. And I watched 25,000 hours of YouTube videos on flat earth. Therefore, I know I'm right. And, you know, um, I continue to test the theory, uh, oftentimes by doing work in the actual realm where this stuff is going to ground out or not. And so I couldn't help myself. I had to ask Charlie Morgan. I said, well, you obviously know something here. Um, what do you think about flat earth? Chad, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why don't you just enlighten us here? What happened? <laughs> this, this is again where the Lord just let this whole session which had been really pretty stressful for me, just land on a really funny note. And uh, so when you ask, uh, Charlie, is the earth flat? Uh, Charlie just started cracking up. It was so, I was just, it was so funny. He was just laughing. And he told me that um, 
that at NASA, they have this whole story about the flat earth. And uh, so when new recruits come in, when new people come in, it's like a spoof and they, they tell the story amongst the old guys, tell this story about the flat earth while the new guys are there listening. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's just become a thing for them to talk about the flat earth and to new people that come in. And it, he reminded me of when I, was, when I was in the Air Force, I was stationed in Mississippi and uh, we had hurricanes down there. And I remember when I first went there that they told me that when, when a hurricane was predicted that uh, someone would be assigned to go up on the roof and watch for the hurricane. <laughs> so it was the same kind of thing that the, the NASA guys do to, um, to the new recruits with the flat earth. So you also ask him about if the earth was a torus or a sphere. And so I can't exactly remember how he worded it, but he said that, that it was a torus, but the science is based on a sphere, which sometimes causes mishaps. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny too. But uh, Charlie Morgan was, um, in the end, uh, Charlie Morgan uh, just went with Jesus. They just walked off together after the whole thing was over. And uh, he was still kind of a mystery, but uh, he shows up later on, several, a couple months later, uh, in another session, which, uh, which I don't have time to go into right now, but uh, he ends up being a pretty interesting character. So Charlie Morgan, in the end, ended up being a sole part of this scientist that I was uh, um, under in, in the middle 60s. And so um, he was just a sole part of that part. And in later, it turns out, I found out that um, the original man that I was programmed under had already died. So Charlie was a dead soul part <laughs> of, of this man that I knew in the, in the 50s. So, um, yeah, very interesting. You know, it, it is very interesting. And, and folks, I'm sorry to, you know, burst some bubbles here. Um, but my, my honest opinion has been, uh, if, if I can just say this without losing half my audience, um, <laughs> I, I really believe that Flat Earth has been a bit of a psyop. Why? Because I do not think the powers of darkness want Christians even considering that part of our responsibility is bringing correction to the things that go beyond an earth atmosphere. So they want us to believe that there is nothing beyond earth atmosphere because the firmament just sits above our air that we breathe. And um, it's, it, there are no satellites. There is nothing beyond there. And certainly any kind of entity would just come up from underground. So uh, we would never be able to even entertain the idea that there is a soul fragment of someone like Jan sitting on a planet called Jupiter with a base on it. It just completely gets written out of the equation, cannot be part of what you would ever do with Jesus. And so what happens with something like this is we begin to embrace an idea that actually 
systematically dismantles the testimony of the witnesses to the powers of darkness and their actual plans and what they're doing. Um, and furthermore, uh, every time I've ever asked either an angel or Jesus or anything like in session, just like this, Jan described about the uh, science behind the earth, I've always gotten back the same answer over and over and over. Earth's a Taurus. And uh, the first time I got this piece of data came from a part of someone that was a quantum physicist for the Illuminati. So I have no uh, actual YouTubes to explain the science behind that. It's just something that, you know, we're, we're just continuing to test. And of course, if you want to believe in a flat earth, that is your choice, folks. Anyway, Jan, did you have anything you wanted to comment on before we get into uh, another subject about essence no it was just um meeting charlie was uh he reminded me there used to be an old show about this guy that was a private detective and he was kind of frumpy looking he had a tan coat and jacket and wore a fedora hat and that's what charlie looked like he looked like somebody stepped right out of the 50s and uh he was kind of a funny little character, but uh, uh, he went on his way with Jesus. And so I knew it was all good in the end. <laughs> so Queen Isabella, you mentioned, was created from essence. And Janet, this is a subject that we've been exploring. Uh, this is a term that's come up multiple times for me, essence. And um, I'm still trying to completely figure it out here. But you found essence related to other parts of you and your system as well. And I want to give you some time to kind of unpack that for us. Yes, um, essence, that has been, it came up for us uh, in, our, in my sessions quite some time ago, but um, Queen Isabella, um, just added another piece to that puzzle that the Lord still seems to be putting together. And um, I, I had a knowing that she was, uh, like I said before, she was essence, so she didn't really have my DNA. She wasn't really a part inside of me. It's almost like she was an independent, separate entity, and yet she was connected to me in some way. So um, I've always or have pretty much always known about um, structures within myself that I call me, myself, and I. And these are, um, uh, they're parts, and yet they're different than my other parts. I never get a visual on them. I never am able to see them like I do other parts in their physicality but I'm aware of them when I'm speaking. And so because they're pronouns, uh, you know, I use the pronouns me, myself, and I all the time, but sometimes these pronouns have an energy on them. And I've come to recognize over the years that when this energy is present, I believe these parts are under programming. So they're actually programming that are going on within my system. And so it's been an issue that I've prayed over many, 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 many times. Um, we've had other sessions where they were involved or there, but the issues never seem to get re 
um, never seemed to get resolved with them. And we had had a session just before this where I had um, my, some of my core parts finally came together in the core. So I was very excited about that because um, I felt for all these years that I never had a core to work from. It's like my core had been split when I was very, very, very young and was still scattered. And I felt like I needed to, um, to have my core come together to start building on. And so because of uh, past work, I thought that this me, myself, and I was somehow uh, connected to the core, and yet it didn't seem to be connected. So we started pursuing it in, in this session. And um, in the end, what, what came was that when my spirit came from God, um, it was in the form of an essence. And that essence, because of iniquity on my bloodline, there, there was a dark part of that essence, which Satan recognizes and can, um, I kept getting the word shave off, he can shave it off. So the essence is pure, it's from God, it's light, but this dark part, because of the iniquity from the past, gets shaved off. And then Satan can take that part and build upon it. And uh, what came out of this session was that Satan had shaved off that part and created Isabella out of that. She was a dark, dark, dark witch. And uh, she carried all the iniquity, I believe, of my, uh, my family history. And so it came out that this me, myself, and I was a core that was built from this dark essence. And um, it was not a part of my core that came from conception. So it wasn't a part of my soul core, but rather was a matrix created out of essence and installed basically side by side with my, uh, my true core. So it was a fault, in a sense, it was a false core. And then from that false core, me, myself, and I became a, an internal structure that they built programs upon. And so that became a matrix of programming that became a, a false identity, if you will. Have I, does that make sense, <laughs> the way I explained it? So folks, just be ready because at the end of this podcast, there will be a quiz and you will be asked several questions on what Jen just explained to you to see if you have comprehended. <laughs> I think you did a, a really good job of, of, of explaining the idea, Jen. I mean, it's really complicated. And people probably have to rewind five or seven times, maybe 12, to uh, understand what you just said, because it was a mouthful. 
but you're doing a great job. So just please continue. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about a podcast is that there is a rewind button. Praise God. <laughs> so <laughs> continue. Okay. So, uh, so here I have a matrix false core and a matrix false identity, which is this, which is the programming part of my system. And it's all controlled by AI on Mars. So, um, now folks, I just want to just give you a little bit of a hint here. Okay. Now you're sitting there struggling. I know what you're doing. You're putting your head in your lap. You have your hand on your face. Your brain is aching and you're thinking, gosh, how do I wrap my head around this? But I want you to just consider me for a minute here. Okay. Poor Dan, because when I get this kind of data, I'm on the line to figure out what to do with it. We need to get deliverance and inner healing. <laughs> so, to me, I'm like, <laughs> so we're going to have to deal with a Mars base, artificial intelligence, and by the way, the false matrix? Well, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun today. <laughs> anyway, window into my world. Go ahead, Jan. Absolutely, Dan. And this is why it's taken me 35 years to get here. <laughs> <laughs> because my secular counselors and most, well, all of my Christian counselors had no uh, grid for Mars work. <laughs> so, so we had done some work on Mars before, and um, during this session, it was revealed that um, this AI that operates this false matrix in me, and I believe probably in other, pro in other survivors, perhaps as well, um, that, that there, it's, it's uh, controlled or um, maintained by uh, a council. Uh, I, I got the name uh, Good News Council on Mars, and uh, it, the people on that council include um, the shadow military complex that's involved in our outer space travel, and uh, the kings of the Earth, which have a presence there, and also other alien entities from other planets and so forth. So, um, this um, this all all has to do, I believe, with uh, a new world order agenda. Mm -hmm. And as a survivor, I was programmed with uh, in what they call in time programming. So um, a lot of my programming had to do with the Book of Revelation and end times. So part of the struggle for me and the, uh, the work has been to unravel and separate um, the end times as God laid it out in the scripture and the end times that I was taught as a programmed uh, mind control slave. Wow. And my programming basically was set up 
to uh, be operational during the end times. And so uh, in this session, uh, some of the information that came forth was um, how that, how part of that is being um, programmed for the future. And when the first, very first meeting I met Dan, um, he did a bunch of untethering from uh, earth structures. And one of those was Big Ben in London. And when, uh, when I saw Big Ben, I saw uh, like a, a wire, like you'd take a wire out of a notebook and I saw it around the Big Ben. And I had a knowing uh, about Big Ben from years before that there was something uh, buried under Big Ben that was important to the world. It was secret, it had been buried there and it was used by the occult in some way to anchor um, magically to anchor things in. And so um, some of the information that came forth, and I don't think it was complete, but some of it was that, um, that the Holy Grail is actually buried under Big Ben. It, they anchor magically to it for their end times agenda. And Big Ben actually becomes um, a clock, if you will, uh, that is set for uh, uh, times of the end, the end times, and to set off programming within program slaves. So I don't fully understand the whole structure of that and how that was, uh, all the details of that yet, but um, it's definitely uh, uh, significant, I think, for the end time agenda. And I guess the, the important part is for, to know, I think for survivors, that if, if we were programmed with end time scenarios, that is something I feel like I have to really unravel because um, the programming can come in as things unfold in the earth. Um, I don't wanna be a part of the occult agenda. I don't want to be under programming when that happens. So for all these years, um, my, uh, that was a lot of my motivation. I would say the majority of my motivation for staying in counseling, for working to get untethered, for working to get free from the entities, for working to get my memories back, from unraveling the programming was so that I am not an instrument of Satan for the end times, that I am working on the right side of that whole event. And so, um, I feel I, like can, can I just I say I have to say this yeah. because this is so fascinating, folks. So you got you got to check this out. I discovered with other clients this is before I even met Jan that Big Ben was an end times time clock somehow for the powers of darkness, and that survivors all over the world were connected to it in 2016. So we started going after it in 2016 in the spirit. And I do justice cases, meaning if I find one person tethered to an evil agenda that is an injustice, I leverage a, an, in the spirit, uh, what, what basically amounts to um, a class action lawsuit against the evil thing, right? And so we started doing some of this work back in 2016. So in 2017, 
Big Ben undergoes a, 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 a restoration agenda. <laughs> right now, if you go and look at Big Ben, it's covered in scaffolding. They plan to have it finished in 2021. But it's just so interesting, like the, the way some of these timelines entangle, and I don't know how to solve all of this, and I'm not saying, you know, the, the entire reason why Big Ben got a restoration agenda in 2017 is because what we're doing, but we certainly are tracking, right, since 2016, the idea, the concept that Big Ben is this end times time clock and began to actively oppose it. Now, Jan adds this other piece of information that I'd never heard before. I'm like, really? <laughs> but hey, look, it's, it's what's coming forward. And so we're just journeying this thing. I mean, it, it's wild. Uh, and, and, and folks, if you have not <laughs> gotten my book, Advanced Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, this is how we are getting people untethered from all kinds of sacred structures around the world of this nature. Uh, Big Ben is on the list on the prayer freedom from Earth systems. Um, along with the Eiffel Tower, along with uh, the White House and the Kremlin and other buildings and stuff that are used for different purposes. And certainly the Great Pyramid of Giza. And people are linked to these things all over the world in different ways and for different reasons through GNA and quantum entanglements. And wow, you know, here we are. Thank you, Jen, for bringing it up. Um, please continue. <laughs> This, this was one of those cases where the Lord had revealed the issue of the Holy Grail years ago, years. And then suddenly that he pulls that forward into this session. And um, Dan, it's one thing you always tell me is that to be okay with the process, just be okay with the process. And I guess I would encourage other uh, survivors that uh, I've, in so many ways, I've had to set my concept of reality aside in order to allow the information to come forth because it's totally out of my box. It's, it's so foreign and seems so crazy and so far out. But the more I allow myself to just let the information come and let Jesus do the work, the pieces start falling into place. Even the pieces that seem so crazy, they couldn't possibly fit into this puzzle. But he does the work and he's consistent. And a while back I thought about how uh, the way that the therapeutic process goes along is in so many ways seems like the Bible in that, uh, you know, the Bible has this, this woven uh, process where the more you read, the more pieces fit together and everything from Genesis to Revelation is woven into one massive picture of Jesus Christ and his redemption. But you don't get that from one chapter and you don't get it in chapter one of Genesis. But by the time you get it all together, it all makes one picture and it all makes sense. And for me, the journey of healing with Jesus is the same way. A piece here, a piece there, a piece 10 years ago, 
fits with a piece that I got today will fit with another piece that I get a year from now. And the picture becomes more and more and more clear. But in the process, I have to set aside some of my preconceived notions about what life is and what it isn't <laughs> and go along with some of these what seem like really crazy um, journeys. But it all works and healing is coming and I'm getting more and more freedom every day and um, learning every day. And it's probably the most exciting thing I could have ever ever imagined in my whole life. And uh, I love the process, even though it's hard, even though sometimes I struggle and have to push myself to, to stay with it and to stay in the fight, it's worth it. It's, it's totally worth it. And Daniel, I thank you for um, just being in the process with me and helping navigate while I just uh, follow Jesus and keep looking for the answers. Thank you. Well, Jan, you're very welcome. And I am very proud of you. Um, folks, there, there, there's a lot more that you're going to find comes out of this woman that I am talking to. Uh, she is considering putting a book out, maybe two. Um, if you think it would be interesting to read a chronicling of some of Jan's excursions in the spirit and through her healing journey, an expose, so to speak, uh, leave a comment in the chat. Just encourage her. Uh, she is thinking about it, but, you know, <laughs> it gets a little hectic. Um, other than that, you know, there, there, there is more to talk about. You, you will be hearing from Jan again on our podcast in the future. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, our adventures with Charlie Morgan did not end on that day. And uh, there is quite a bit more that we learned. We'll be able to talk about that at a smaller point in the future. But Jan, thank you for joining me today. This has just been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan. It's been a blessing and I hope it's a blessing to others. I do too. <laughs> and remember, if you need to listen to parts of this again, just press rewind because it is a podcast. Praise God. Folks, until next time, you've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.